Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Four Vaginas Only. In this episode, we're going to talk about all things breastfeeding. The day that this episode is post is actually the last day of World Breastfeeding Week, but the entire month of August is breastfeeding month. So no time like the present to talk all about breastfeeding. But as usual, first things first, let's cue the music. Hello and welcome to Four Vaginas Only, the podcast about everything female. I'm your host, Dr. Celestine, bringing you important information about understanding your health and body in the way you wish your doctor would actually explain it. Hey guys, I'm Dr. C or Dr. Celestine. Sorry if I'm a little nasally today. I've been a little congested. It's not going away, so we're recording the podcast anyway. <laughs> So I wanted to talk about breastfeeding, and I actually didn't even realize it was breastfeeding month or week when I decided to create this podcast episode, but breastfeeding is near and dear to my heart. I breastfed my own son for eight months. I would have gone longer, but I had a stressful period in my life that actually caused a lot of my breast milk to dry up, Um, and we'll talk a little bit about low supply and things like that in a little bit, but I loved it. It was a great connection to my child. The beginning was a struggle, but once we got into the groove, it was actually quite amazing and really easy, which is hard for me to say now. And I know for some of you struggling with the beginnings of breastfeeding, it sounds crazy for me to say that. I was there too. Um, I had my baby during COVID, so I was on a Zoom call with my lactation consultant, with my breasts in the camera, trying to figure out what the hell to do and like freaking out, crying, all of that in the beginning. And it ended up being really easy in the end. So we are going to talk about all things breastfeeding today. We're going to talk about the benefits first and foremost. We're going to talk about underproducing, overproducing, the challenges and tips with pumping. I will say breastfeeding is not for everyone. It's not for every family. If you decide you don't want to do it, that's perfectly fine too. We have formula for a reason. Babies grow up just fine on formula and then introducing foods later in life. So no shame, no hate to anybody that that does not want to breastfeed. I totally get it. I see patients every day. It just Sometimes it stresses you out more and it doesn't allow you to enjoy your new family member and new family. And in that case, I I truly don't think it's worth it if it's really causing that much stress. So no shame to you guys, but this is all about breastfeeding. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay. So first, let's talk about what the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends for breastfeeding. They say that they recommend breastfeeding a newborn exclusively until six months of age. And continuing that to 12 months of age as you supplement with foods and, you know, purees you kind of start with and so on and so forth. So for sure, exclusively to six months is the American Academy of Pediatrics recommendation. And that's for good reason. There are a lot of benefits when it comes to breastfeeding. And breast milk is kind of like a fluid substance. Um, one of the things that's great about it is it actually changes to suit your baby as your baby grows. So what's in the breast milk, the composition of it changes for your individual child. Isn't that crazy? It's a little weird, actually. It might, it actually freaks me out a little bit now that I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> like something in your body changes to support something that's no longer in your body, but was once attached. It's insane. It's insane, but it's amazing. The other benefit It has a lot of antibodies, so it protects your child from getting sick. It also shows, there's research that shows that 
a child that's breastfed has a decreased risk of asthma, decreased risk of obesity, decreased risk of type 1 diabetes, decreased risk of sudden infant death syndrome or SIDS, decreased ear infections, and decreased stomach bugs, which as a mom to a young kid, those things are amazing because once they go into school and the ear infections and the stomach bugs are rampant in daycares and the like. So if you could decrease that risk, I mean, hey, why not? So that's amazing. And also mom has some benefits too. So one, like I was talking about for my specific example, it's really hard in the beginning. I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to sugarcoat that. If you've never done it before, it's difficult. But once you get the hang of it, it's actually really convenient. You don't have to worry about making formula, bringing formula, mixing milk. You just attach the baby to your chest anytime they're hungry, and it's great that a lot of places now are supporting moms breastfeeding anywhere you are. You just throw the baby on the chest, feed the child, and then you're done. So it's so easy. You don't have to bring extra supplies or anything. It's just right on you. The other benefit, which is amazing, is it actually decreases mom's risk of breast and ovarian cancer, also decreases mom's risk of type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure in life. So, I mean... Amazing. Number one killer of women is heart disease um, associated with, you know, hypertension. So that's a great decreased risk for women all over the world. All right. So now let's talk about some of the challenges. So in the beginning, for me in particular, too, I had a lot of problems with like with my nipples and the cracking and the pain so much so that you don't even want to put the baby on the breast, even though you should keep feeding from both sides. But because it was so uncomfortable when my son would first latch, I worked a lot with a lactation consultant. So I guess let's just throw that in here. If you are having any issues with breastfeeding, the earliest you get help is the better. So a lot of hospitals in the United States, um, which is the only place I work, so I can only speak for that, They have lactation consultants in the hospital that see you right after you deliver and continue to see you until you get discharged from the hospital. And a lot of them, you take their contact information and you can contact them at home. You can go back in and have appointments with them. Like I talked about, I had an appointment on Zoom with my lactation consultant from actually the hospital that I work at. And they're there to guide you. If you don't have that in your hospital, there are a lot of great resources online. So... There are this this group called La Leche League. They have a lot of information. They also have the ability for you to find a lactation consultant in your area to search for one. There are also doulas, which a lot of people associate doulas with pregnancy and labor, but there are also postpartum doulas that can help you with breastfeeding. Um, like I mentioned, the hospital is a great resource or any hospital near you. Find out if they have a lactation consultant. You don't have to deliver at that hospital to use that resource. And a lot of insurances cover actually seeing lactation consultants, so that's good too. And WIC offices. So if you are somebody that's on WIC, contact WIC office because they have people associated with them that can help you with breastfeeding and can outsource you to where you can go for breastfeeding advice. So the earlier, the better. Don't wait. Don't struggle at home for weeks on end. I say the first few weeks of you and your baby at home is when it's like the boot camp for breastfeeding. And that's when you need to kind of get it together. If you're going to continue it for months and months and months, you got to figure it out early. So get the help that you need. No shame in that. You don't have to, you also don't have to listen to everything your family and friends tell you or, you know, just make sure you get certified help from somebody that knows what they're talking about and have helped many, many women in the past. So lactation consultants, key, golden, love them, use them. 
I also wanted to talk a little bit about what's normal, what's a low supply, what's an oversupply. So normally your baby does feed about 8 to 12 times a day. So that's a lot, okay? And if you can see them swallowing, if your breast is a little bit more firm and then gets soft after the baby's done and the baby releases on their own after breastfeeding, these are all signs that you are actually producing a normal amount of milk and you don't have to worry about under supply or low supply and your baby's getting what the baby needs. Also, if you're going to the pediatrician and the baby's gaining weight appropriately, then you know the baby is getting the adequate breast milk that they need. So all of those things are signs that everything is good. All Everything's gravy, everything's good. But there are some people that have a low supply. Some causes can be if you are on birth control that contains estrogen, that has been shown to decrease the supply. Also, if you're supplementing. So if you're supplementing with formula right from the jump, it can actually decrease your breast milk supply because your baby doesn't need a full supply from you. So your body naturally starts to downregulate its production. Also, if you're in your delivery, if you had a retained placenta, so let's say the placenta was retained, you had to go in for a procedure to remove it, that can actually decrease the amount of breast milk that you can supply. Um, and if you're doing less night feeds. So I always get concerned when a woman tells me, oh, my like newborn baby is sleeping through the night, you know, and I'm not breastfeeding. You really need, unfortunately, unfortunately, you need to wake up a few times at night to feed your baby in order to keep the supply going. It's kind of like a supply and demand. You have to empty the breast for it to refill. And if you're not emptying it enough, then your supply is not going to be enough. So again, lactation consultant, any concerns with that? If you're questioning whether you have a low supply or not, reach out to them. Some of the fixes for that. So sleeping, which I know is really hard to do as a new mom, but sleeping and getting rest is important. Increasing your water intake is important, as well as eating a little bit more of like densely nutritious foods, about like three to 500 more calories than you av- than you normally would can help create more breast milk. Decreasing stress. Like I talked about, I had a stressful incident when my child was like seven months and it caused my breast milk to pretty much dry up by eight months, which was really sad for me. But just to prove how much of a important stress has on our life, it affects on our lives. It affects everything, including your breast milk. Also, pump in between feeding. If you have a low supply, try to pump in between your baby actually latching on your breast to increase the supply. Like I said, emptying the breast is what allows it to refill. And then feed on demand. Don't just do timed feedings because somebody has told you your baby needs to feed every two to three hours. Yes, you need to be doing that at least to kind of keep your milk supply, but sometimes it's a little bit shorter and your baby wants to be fed. So feed on when your baby's hungry. And those are ways that you can increase a supply if they're if you have a low supply. Now, I know what you're thinking. What about the fenugreek? What about the oats and oatmeal? What about turmeric? What about ginger? These are all the questions people ask me about. I will say I haven't seen any long-term studies where these things actually have a benefit. I have seen a lot of short-term studies, especially they do studies when uh, moms have babies in the NICU. And uh, there is a study, for example, that looks at a capsule that they were taking with moms, 50 moms to be exact, so small study. And the capsule contained ginger, turmeric, and fenugreek. And it showed that at four weeks postpartum, they had more milk supply than people that were not taking the supplement without any downsides or changes to the milk composition. So that's interesting. You know, I mean, I don't think from what I've seen, these products don't harm you in any way. 
So I don't see why, you know, you can't try it. But I do not think that long term it actually has a benefit. I think the things I was talking about earlier, sleeping, water, increasing your food, that's what's that's where the money is. But you can try these supplements if you want to. Okay, now oversupply. So it's kind of interesting. I told you how my milk dried up, but I actually had a little bit of an oversupply where I was, you know, pumping a lot. I went back to work after like six weeks postpartum and I had a lot of milk. I had a lot of milk in storage. Um, you know, it was good times for me after the initial hurdle of it being horrible. <laughs> um, so some women have an oversupply. Some signs of that include your infants kind of like choking when the breast milk starts to come down. Your baby's gaining too much weight and is only drinking for, or only drinking breast milk and feeding seems like a battle, like you're fighting your infant to stay on the breast. Those are just some signs of oversupply. That can happen naturally. Some women just have a higher supply or it can mean you're pumping too much. So first and foremost, yes, lactation consultant, talk to them to figure out which realm you are in so that you know how, what to do to kind of fix it. Some of the things that are recommended to fix it is feeding before your breast gets too full. Also, lay back. If you have like a fast flow, I remember for my son, I had a super fast flow. He kind of looked like he was choking in the very beginning. So if you lay back, gravity will help decrease that initial flow. And the other thing is to hand express for about one to two minutes first so that the initial flow isn't that high um, and your baby's not choking on the breast. You know, oversupply can be really uncomfortable for mom, especially in between breastfeeding, like the breasts are just so engorged and heavy. So there, talk to your lactation consultant, find out what's really going on for your reason for oversupply and ways to fix it. So let's talk a little bit now, though, about pumping. So like I said, I went back to work at six weeks postpartum. So I was pumping at work and then breastfeeding with my baby when I was at home which is a task in itself. It's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. I had to bring a bag. Um, I would say it's good to have at least like two to three different sets of pump parts if you can afford that. And so that way you're not washing pump parts every second because you have to wash it fully every time. Because think about dried, curdled milk in the pump parts. Not good. Not sanitary. Make sure you have your bag packed every night before you leave for the day or if you're going to work like I did and have a good storage container. So one of the things, I'm part of this like breastfeeding moms group on Facebook, actually. And I would say that's also a great thing is support from your community. Seeing other struggles of other moms and knowing that you're not alone is, especially in the postpartum period when your mind's already like messed up <laughs> and all hormonal, it's just great to see other people kind of going through the same struggles and giving you tips and solutions. So I think that's a great resource. So I joined this Facebook moms um, breastfeeding group. I'm still a part of them, even though I'm not breastfeeding, because I love to see what they are saying. And they talk a lot about the storage container. So I had like a large glass container. I got it on Amazon, super cheap. It had like a little koozie kind of thing around it, but it was really big. So I would just pump and then throw the milk in that all day long and leave that container in the fridge, whether I was at the office or at the hospital, I would actually put it in the breast milk fridge that they use in the NICU. So everybody was really accommodating, which I know is not the same at all workplaces, but also you have to fight for it. So I would I would not let them not be accommodating. <laughs> I went to them, I'm like, this is what I'm doing. So we have to figure it out because this is what supported my baby and my family at the time. 
Um, so, and that container was really great. It fit in my pumping bag. I got like a little book bag with my pump. Another tip for pumping, use the free pump that your insurance gives you or that WIC gives you. I truly don't think there's one pump that's more special than the other. I know a lot of people talk about Spectra, blah, blah, blah. I had a fabulous Motif pump. And I would just say a pump maybe that plugs in is a good one or has a plug-in where you could charge the battery. I don't know. I kind of like the plug-in pumps because they have a little bit more strength than those wireless pumps. I did use... One of the wireless ones, I forget the name, but the one that you just put in your bra, that one was good too. I didn't like that when I bent over, it spilled because I'm very active and I'm moving all day long. But it was good for at the hospital. I could still pump while I was walking around and seeing patients. So it was just more convenient, but they're really freaking expensive. So you don't need that. But if you can't afford one, I, you know, I do see the benefits, especially for working, active, busy people. And, you know, it was a lot of work. Pumping is a lot of work, but it was worth it when you're like committed to breastfeeding. And just remember for storage, you know, I had that glass container, but the four hours, four days, six months. So fresh breast milk can stay out on a room temperature on a counter for four hours, can stay in the fridge for four days, and you can freeze it for up to six months. Just label your bags on the date that you put it in there and you can freeze it for up to six months. So that was great for me when I went on vacation and people were able to feed my child at home. I went away for like a couple days and I felt good and comforted knowing that my baby was still getting my breast milk. So freezing is a great option if you are able to do so. So that's all about breastfeeding. Like I mentioned, there's a lot of great resources out there for information online, for mom support groups, whether it's on Facebook or a community group. There's a lot of resources with lactation consultants. Listen back a little bit. I give you some of those earlier on in the episode. If you want to do breastfeeding, keep your mind in that mind frame and try to get through the first few weeks, which are torture, and you can do it. It does become easier. I promise you that. So that's the end of this episode for breastfeeding month and the end of breastfeeding week. I am Dr. Celestine of Four Vaginas Only. You can catch me and more podcast episodes through my Instagram page at Four Vaginas Only, or you can look up the podcast directly on all podcast streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. And follow me for more great topics. I post about every two weeks a new podcast episode, plus lots of information on my Instagram. So thank you guys so much for being part of the Four Vaginas Only family, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.